you are listening to The Dudes, bringing you wall-to-wall coverage of all Mississippi State athletics. Featuring Reflector Sports Editor Tanner Marlar and WMSV Sports Director Cody Blazak. Welcome to another Tuesday edition of The Dudes. If it sounds a little different this morning, that's because we're without my partner Cody Blazak. But never fear, the one and only David Smith is here filling in this week. A lot of things to cover on this Tuesday. We've got Mississippi State football in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl again. You've got both men's and women's basketball coverage. And then our volleyball team results. We'll go ahead and jump into that. Volleyball lost, I believe it was, in five sets on Friday to Hawaii in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Absolute heartbreaker for the girls, but nonetheless, we're proud of them. Uh, They've done some really good things with this program, and I really do think their best days are ahead of them. David, what do you think? I mean, it was an incredible season, nonetheless. Just everything that was accomplished, everything that, that got them there, I mean, it was an incredible season, and I think... You and I agreed they deserve more respect nationally, but we, we know how it works. I don't know if we'll get that, but I, th- I think they deserved it throughout the season moving up because, I mean, nonetheless, an incredible season, obviously a heartbreaking result, but incredible. Yeah, and the logistics, we're going to try to get Coach Dennis back on the show before the trip. Logistics does, just didn't work out. I'm going to try to have her back on over the winter break so uh, so we can kind of get an update and, and talk to her and get her thoughts on the season as a whole and just kind of let her come back on again and speak to the Bulldog faithful. Other than that, we can jump into men's and women's basketball. We'll start with the women. Over the past weekend, a near 30-point loss to Oklahoma on the road. You know, they beat McNeese that night before at home and obviously McNeese is not exactly a powerhouse in the college basketball world but you saw some things in that game that kind of made you think well maybe they've got it maybe they took that Michigan loss and learned from it and then they go on the road to to Norman and do that David have you gotten to watch much of this women's team this year I've gotten to to see bits and pieces of it especially early on you know they they looked very promising especially those those First five contests, really the four of them that were here in Starkville, um, especially the, those those first three games against Alabama State, South Dakota State, and Elkhorn State, they looked incredibly strong. That South Dakota State game was was close, but you know sometimes close games early are are beneficial to the team because you get a chance to really run through scenarios that you weren't expecting to be in, but they were able to run through those. And then that fourth game against Bethune Cookman really. Uh, throttled them and then moving on into Daytona they 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 were 4-0 sitting there beautiful took care of Dayton obviously Michigan is is one of those those top 15 top 10 programs in the nation so it was great to get a game against them and then bounce back against McNeese putting up 100 points in a women's women's basketball game is incredible obviously the Oklahoma result wasn't what we were hoping for but I, I think where the women's basketball program is now looks it's looking up it's looking f- looking forward for sure and you look at that women's game and you look at the scoring breakdown, which I've got right here. Obviously, I think Oklahoma jumped out big early, but they closed the quarter, Mississippi State did, on a 5-0 run. 
at the end of the first, it was 27-21. Then the second quarter, it looks like, really kind of killed the momentum for Mississippi State, only managing 12 points in that second quarter. And about this, about this team, Doug Novak has still, in my opinion, impressed, to say the least. I mean, these girls are sitting at, what, two losses now this early? I mean, obviously we're early in the season. We're still in out-of-conference play. And the SEC has some of the best women's basketball in the country. But you were able to hang with Michigan in a neutral site game. You know, I, I say hang with them. You, you, It was just a low-scoring affair. You just couldn't find the bottom of the basket. And that was the first real competition that these girls had played. Oklahoma was, a, I believe, a six-win team before that. They're not exactly any kind of slouch. They'll probably wind up with a top 25 ranking at some point this season. And then you come back uh, Sunday and you're playing UT Martin, so a chance to get another win there. Doug has impressed me. Yeah, Doug, I mean... I mean, the girls really enjoy playing in this system. They've they've said it multiple times about they enjoy the fluidity of it. They enjoy how wide open it is. And I think... I, I'm not pushing to make any kind of hire here, but when the head coaching search does kind of reach its fruition here later in the season as the off season looms, what what are, what's the likelihood of Novak getting to keep that job, you think? I think if he keeps moving on the way he has, because, I mean, like you said, the girls love playing for him. It's a fantastic system. They've enjoyed having him as that head coach, that interim head coach role. And I think if he continues to succeed to a point, I don't see why not keeping him as the full-time head coach, especially with, I mean, they've got that that road game at UT Martin coming up on Sunday, and they've got the Mississippi State Classic they're hosting. So if they go 4-0 these next four games, they're sitting really pretty heading into conference play. And I think that right now he's already exceeded expectations. If he's sitting at 10-2 and heading into conference play, I think that's a huge, huge exceeding of expectations, without a doubt. And I think if, if the women love playing for him, I don't see why you wouldn't keep him. And if the girls do love playing for him, which they do, we've already established, I feel like that gives you a chance to win some games you're not supposed to. I mean, I'm not predicting them to beat a South Carolina, but maybe in Alabama, something like that. to Because they've got the talent. Rakia Jackson, to me, is one of the top five players in the country, uh, in my opinion. And I just don't see... I just don't see them dropping many games that they're supposed to win, and I also don't see them losing every game they're supposed to lose. I feel like they're going to impress a lot of people when we get into conference play, and I hope they do. Yeah, I mean, especially having – I mean, they, they played Georgia, Texas a and LSU all once, all three of them top 25 teams, and all three of them are going to be in Starkville, so that'll be – That's a huge are, bump. Those are fantastic opportunities to get wins. So I, I'm excited to see – where Coach Novak takes his team because, you know, the, the there's no real ceiling on them. I don't think because well, and there's no real there's no real expectations exactly. either. Yeah, there's You're, no, I mean, when when Nikki McRae stepped down, it was like every expectation that people had for this team just got thrown out the window. And whatever you get is what you get. And if you get ten and two going into conference play, you can't ask for much more from an interim head coach that didn't really have an off-season to prepare these girls for, for his system, you can't ask for anything more. 
Especially and, and and like you said, with those expectations going out the window, pressure also goes out the window. There's mm-hmm. there's nothing no one's expecting anything of them which which lifts a whole lot of pressure off of them and they're gonna play teams that have all the pressure on them, which will, will typically lead to good results for Mississippi State, I would say. I I agree. I agree. Now to kind of shift gears to uh the men's side of things. Dave and I got to witness the uh, the loss to Minnesota this past weekend and the win to Lamar on uh, last Thursday, I believe it was. David, before I go, kind of before I dive into it, kind of walk me through your thoughts on where this team's at right now. I think they're they're at a really really good spot. They're sitting, you know, right now they're at six and two. Obviously, those those two losses weren't what we were hoping for, but they came to two really good teams. You know, the Louisville loss in the Bahamas was. Not ideal. We were hoping to go two and zero there and kind of sit pretty, heading towards maybe a top twenty-five ranking after after the the Bahamas Invitational. But coming back, that winning against Lamar, we saw something in late in that Lamar game. You and I talked about it where they they started pressing and it wasn't really, you know, the team didn't react very well to it. And then Minnesota tried to take something out of the playbook and start to press too, and they reacted a lot better to that. Especially, you know, Minnesota was up. I think 11 points at the time they started pressing and they thought they were going to be able to kind of pull away with the game and they broke the press easily. A great adjustment by Coach Hallen in practice heading into this Minnesota game because he saw that too. He knew that if if, the, if they reacted the way they did against Lamar to Minnesota... They're, about, even, to, they're about to lose 20. Yeah, they were, they were going to... It was going to be bad. But, but they reacted really, really well heading forward. But, you know, this Minnesota game, it was tight down the stretch. It was an insane basketball game just to watch. Great game. Great game. But... I think where you lost that game was, and I think you'll you'll agree with this, was the was in the very the start of the first half. I, I think there's no way to sugarcoat it. You can't come out that flat. You can't come out that that almost. It, it kind of looked like uninspired for the first five five to eight minutes of that ball game. Mississippi State didn't half of the Mississippi State players on the floor didn't look like they wanted to be there. And, yeah. and maybe it's Sunday blues. I hate I hate I always hated playing games on Sundays, but it you just can't come out that flat when you know you've got an undefeated team coming to town that's knocking on the door of a top twenty five ranking and is gonna be probably a solid Q one win when it comes down to the stretch because they've got an incredibly experienced squad and in Division One basketball, with the trends that we're starting to see, experience is starting, especially now that the whole obviously the the one and done thing is not not out the window. But your top your top guys are going to the Ignite team now. Some are going to the G League. Some are going overseas. You're seeing less and less of those of those of the plethora of talent coming in, and more and more of these guys that are going to stay there three four years. The Iverson Molinars, the Garrison Brookses, and guys like that. And Mon- uh, Minnesota's full of those guys. Oh yeah, they, they've they've done, they've made their their money, grad transfers, stuff like that. They they've got a lot of pieces there. I mean, there's we've seen teams build franchises off of it. I mean, one that comes to just mind my mind here is Villanova. They they build a lot of veteran led teams. A lot of those teams, and they look like they have another one this year. That's completely off topic, but teams like that that build through experience have a lot of success, and that's why Minnesota's sitting at seven and zero where they are now. They've done that. They've got a really, really good squad here. But like you said, you can't come out. We didn't score a point for the first four and a half minutes. You you can't 
come out and get down 14-0 to and then try to crawl back into the game, which they did very, very well, which was great to see, to the amount of fight that this team showed throughout this game. They got down 14 early, down 14-0. They were down 14 twice. Yeah, they, they came back down 14 in the second half, too, and they finally tied the game. Their game was tied twice, once at 0-0 and once at 76-all. And it was just incredible, incredible fight to get back into this game. It's a heartbreaking loss. But it was fantastic to see the way they fought, the way they got back in this game. It really shows some promise heading forward. And it was also great to see that crowd in the hump on Sunday. It was fun. There was a decent little crowd there in the hump for a men's game, which is something that we're not exactly used to seeing, which obviously David and I would like to see more of as huge basketball fans. But I agree, you can't come out that flat. And I think – I think – this can go one of two ways. This can either be one of those losses you loom your head on and you you don't quite, you have a hangover from it, or you can kind of get inspired by it. If Highland can use this to inspire that team to never really come out flat like that again, I think they're in a good spot. But until that happens, this team's going to continue to play down or up to the level of competition, and you're not going to make the tournament like that. Yeah, of course. They've, they've, they've got to beat teams they're supposed to beat and beat them handily. Mm-hmm. Because you, you can't leave yourself looming. You can't. Because, I mean, if, eventually if, if you get yourself into those kind of situations, you're going to lose one of those games you're not supposed to. No doubt about it. And, you know, heading in, we were the, we were a heavy favorite over Minnesota in this game, which really didn't make a lot of sense to me because this Minnesota team is, is – has has got some quality wins and they've got some great ball players. Oh, they really do. I mean, but this Minnesota team, they've you've when they're a team like this, they only played eight players and all five starters played at least thirty eight minutes. We've got to find a way to wear them down. You have to, as, as deep as this team is, you've got to you've got to bring pressure. You've got to find a way for those guys, those leading scorers, those older players to be kind of gassed when it comes to the late second half. And they weren't. They were fresh all the way through. And not only were they fresh, but, I mean, they they were hitting some shots. They were. So, I mean, they, I were, mean, they I, were shooting the lights out. They were. Game. And there were some shots that may not go in if they played ten more times. Oh, absolutely. I mean, not. Jameson Battle, he pulled, he pulled a couple from the logo and found the bottom of the net. And the same thing with Willis. You know, both those guys went four for eight on the game. Oh, yeah. How often does that happen? I mean, there was there was a shot that I remember Luke Lowe hitting from thirty feet out. Like that was. Just, oh yeah. I mean, he was. He only made one three, but his shot he three three he made was from the logo. It was like some of those some of those shots do not fall again. But I mean, the, that Minnesota team you got to give credit where credit is due. They they played extremely well and they've got a great club heading forward. It would have been a fantastic, like you said, quad one win. But you know, we can't hang our head on this. You've got no. to move forward because. Because I mean, all that that loss is going to follow you to Selection Sunday, but every win you get from now on is also going to follow you to Selection Sunday because I really don't think there's that many cupcakes left on the schedule for this Bulldog team, and they're about to start a brutal January. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is insane. You play, I think you play Arkansas, Alabama, uh, Florida, and Kentucky all in the month of January. And they also they also play they're they're in the Big Twelve Challenge against Texas Tech in I mean, January yeah. too. No slouches the there. Absolutely not. Texas Tech is knocking on the door of the top twenty five ranking too. Of course, Alabama, Florida, and Kentucky are all there. And you've got another quad one win opportunity coming up this Saturday in a neutral site game against nine and zero Colorado State, mm-hmm. which would be 
That that'd be a huge win. That would be an incredible win, no doubt about it. Who, who's Colorado State played? They, I mean, sitting nine and zero, that that this team wasn't expected to be there, but they've beaten teams. They've beaten Creighton. They beat Creighton by fourteen on a neutral site game. Creighton's not Creighton's a Creighton's a good ball club. Uh, but they beat St. Mary's at home by sixteen. Oh wow! I mean, they this team is not bad at all. Their other seven games are kind of. You know, give or take. They beat Oral Roberts to start the season, which we saw in the tournament last year. Not a bad team at all. They they've to be nine and zero playing anybody is impressive. Really. Yeah, and to be nine and zero in Division One basketball is impressive, no doubt. Um, obviously, not a lot. I mean, like you said, the St. Mary's win is their most recent one, seventy four to fifty eight. Other than that, they've got the Oral Roberts win. The rest, I I mean, they kind of look. I mean, Bradley, Creighton, obviously a solid win. Northeastern, that's only a 10-point win. I feel like that game might have been closer at one point. Yeah, I mean. Northern Colorado. Only a 9-point win there. Little Rock, obviously throttled Little Rock. So they've got a tough schedule coming up, too. They start off with us in Fort Worth. They play Tulsa in Fort Worth. And then they play Bama. And as we've already seen, Alabama is is the real deal this year. After beating oh, yeah. Gonzaga, oh, my. Alabama is one of those teams that they're they are going to win games they shouldn't, but they are also going to lose games they shouldn't. This, yeah, yeah. They they live by the three and die by the three. That's the NATO's philosophy. They only take shots where logistics tell them should they should. It's it's they played that kind of basketball, and I like NATO's a lot. He's a fantastic head coach, and he's got a really really he's good got team a there. deep squad this year. And if they get. That team, if they get hot at the right time, they they could walk away with the title. This, they could. This year. They've There's got no the talent. To. Absolutely. And let's let's not let's not let's not obviously count Mississippi State out here. They still have a chance to contend for the SEC. Oh, absolutely. This that's still a very the real SEC possibility. Play hasn't even started yet. SEC play team. hasn't even started. They're only a two loss team, uh, and those two losses have come to two very competent programs. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of those. One of those, the Louisville loss, I kind of almost, obviously you don't want to count, you don't want to make excuses, but a neutral site game in uh, for a shooting team, a team that likes to shoot the three, in a neutral site game that's not really in a shooter's gym, you know, that, that, that I mean, we you shot. look at the Richmond game and you don't win that one without Tolu and he had to score 22 and 11. Yeah. I mean, it's not a shooter's gym. No, I mean, against Louisville, we shot 1 of 15 from 3, which is something that may not happen again for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah that's hopefully. That's, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. I hope not. That would be tragic if it did again because <laughs> yeah. you're not going to win a lot of games shooting 1 of 15 from 3. No doubt about it. But this Colorado State team, you've – You got a chance for a statement. You need, need – this, this is a game – I don't want to call it a must win, but this is one that when it comes down to Selection Sunday in March, you know, obviously the SEC is very deep. There's a lot of good squads. Nobody's a sleeper. Georgia's, Georgia's arguably the worst team in the SEC, and they just beat Memphis last week. Yeah. And there's no doubt. Memphis still receiving top 25 votes. I don't know how. I, I mean, don't either, but <laughs> Penny Hardaway's not a good coach, but that's that's for a different time. That's for a different time. <laughs> a different argument. They need – they've got to get this Colorado State win, and they've got Furman on the horizon, too. I mean, you've got 5-3 and three Georgia State right around the corner. You've got 6-2 and two Furman. You've got 4-4 four and four Winthrop. Those are three teams – which I want to give props to the basketball program in Ben Hallen too. They do a great job of scheduling. Of a beautiful job. Because these are these are teams that you look at their name on paper and you think, oh, they're not that good. But these 
These are teams that are going to be quad two type wins when it when it rolls around to Selection Sunday. And you'll probably have one or two conference champions in there. Oh, absolutely. You'll probably Montana still is in the race for the Big Sky. Oh yeah, I mean that that's. And you throttled them. Oh, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see a team like Furman take their conference too, because Furman's got some fantastic teams they've played on the year. Furman's that team that beat Louisville in overtime, and I mean they they. They can get up and down the floor, and they can score too. I mean, slowly. all of those teams, all of those teams like that can, especially Georgia State. You know, Georgia State's going to be a JUCO type game where it's just running back and forth, mm-hmm. back and forth, and and that's going to be fun to watch. I think. Either way, we got about ten minutes left here, so we'll we'll go ahead and transition into the piece de resistance, uh, the last Mississippi State football game of the year. Mississippi State and Texas Tech in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Some would say the crown jewel of Memphis. David, thoughts? That's going to be fun. I was I was doing some scrolling on, on, on Twitter. I know you and I both love Twitter. Yeah. And the vibe I got was that 50% of Texas Tech fans want to see Mike Leach throttle Texas Tech, <laughs> and the other 50% wouldn't be opposed to it. They're still upset about the about losing Mike Leach, the money they owe Mike Leach. You know, there there's... There's a lot of fans that believe that if they wouldn't have fired him, that he could still be there today. And possibly have brought them some hardware. Because that Texas oh, yeah. when Leach was at Texas Tech, that team was rolling. Absolutely. And there's a they they there's a lot of fans that were felt that he was done wrong. So part, some of the uh, intriguing. A, 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 quite a few of those fans on there want to see Texas Tech not get throttled because they don't like Texas Tech, and you know, they're obviously Texas Tech fans. They love that team, but just to kind of put a middle finger on the administration's face in Texas Tech. That's just kind of what because that's not the, that's not everybody's favorite athletic department, from what I've heard. Oh no, not at all. They, they are about to build a like a forty-five million dollar new facility. Did you see that? Dude, that looks, is ridiculous. Looks very nice. It looks, it looks very nice. But either uh, way, wouldn't, um, mind, wouldn't mind one of those here. No, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't at all. But either way, Mike Leach, obviously the former coach at Texas Tech, coached there until 2009 when he was fired, uh, went to, I believe it was Wazoo after that, and wound up here in Startville. And now for the first time and since his firing, has to play the Red Raiders. And I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I really do. Texas Tech's, our pass off, obviously everyone knows Mike Leach in the area. The pass offense, number three in Division One. Texas Tech's pass defense, number 118 in the nation. Suboptimal. I would say, I would say that. That looks <laughs> suboptimal if you're Texas Tech. But they do have a long time to prepare for it. I believe there are still some people within that system that were there during the air raid days. Maybe not the Mike Leach air raid days, but were there for the air raid days. And kind of, kind of may know some tips and tricks how to stop it, but... In reality, I I just don't see a, a whole lot of of talent one coming out of the Texas Tech program. I think Mississippi State's the more talented team. I think they're the more athletic team, and I think they have the better scheme and the better coach. So, you know, time will tell. We are Mississippi State, and we do have a tendency to to lose <laughs> lose games where we're predicted to win. But I, I genuinely think that this will be a solid win for the Bulldogs. I hope so. We're obviously going to be bringing you more coverage of that. As the time gets closer, I believe that game is December 28th at a 5.30 kickoff in Memphis. Buy your tickets now. Absolutely. It will be a fun one. Mr. State, just over an eight-point favorite in this game. So, And that line is going to change. It will. 
uh, from now to then, obviously, and we'll update you on the lines and everything. But what do you think has been what What do you think Mississippi State has to do in that game? I mean, obviously, you got to th- be able to throw the ball, but and I think that they're going to find success in throwing the ball. It's going to come down to the defensive side of things. You can't let this game turn into a shootout. No, you just have to prevent that from happening. Zach because Arnett's defense has to has to buck up in this they, one. They have got to step up because I mean. This Texas Tech team is coming off a game where they almost took down Baylor. They they almost yeah, yeah. they almost kept Oklahoma in the conference championship game, and Baylor now Big Twelve champions, of course. But I mean, this team has shown at times they can get up and down the field. They can score some points. Obviously, some games you know they put up a goose head against Oklahoma State. They've they put up really you know, there's a there's a lot of averaging between twenty and thirty points. They're they're not. Someone who's going to—they've they've scored forty twice this season, I believe. So I do believe. So have we? Have we not? I believe we've only scored forty twice against Vanderbilt and then against Auburn. So it's a fun. No, 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 Tennessee, we, Tennessee Tech, or Tennessee State. Yeah, yeah, we scored fifty-five there. That's a fun game. <laughs> that, that was an interesting <laughs> ball game. Yeah, I mean, we this this will be a fun one to look at because you know obviously we, we've we've wanted more from this defense all year long and. I I think that this is an opportunity to kind of put a statement out there heading into next season. Yeah, yeah. And just another news piece from that game, obviously Mississippi State will be without one of its best receivers. Malik Heath was in a car accident this past week. He was airlifted to Memphis for a surgical procedure on his leg and has since been released and is now recovering. He participated in senior night the other night, which indicated to me that he's probably done with his time at Mississippi State. Maybe he'll grad transfer somewhere else. I'm not sure. But obviously, T's and P's with Malik as he goes through this rehab process. Um, Just to hit on some recruiting before we go, Mississippi State had a JUCO, I believe it was defensive back, flip to Tennessee the other day. But... Just got a big in-state JUCO commitment from a wide receiver at Hines Community College, who, for the life of me, even though I wrote it down earlier, his name escapes me. But he's got he's a six foot three. I think he's about two fifteen around there. He's got four four speed, big body guy. Oh yeah. So possible red zone threat there. Looking forward to that. There's also a a three star offensive lineman from Texas that decommitted from Virginia Tech yesterday, I believe it was. That's true, and I believe he's taken his visit here already, has he not? He visited here December 3rd, decommitted from Virginia Tech December 6th. So Interesting. Don't don't want to don't want to say anything. I'm just there was he did tweet out a picture of him with coach Leach and a couple of other assistant coaches last night after the decommitment. So Interesting. And obviously, the big recruit out of the 2022 class that Mike Leach is honing in on, Braden Locke, quarterback out of a, 6A, a Division 6A in Texas, state champion. He has set every single 6A Texas high school passing record, I believe. Supposed to be the real deal. Those, so, those records are hard to break. They, especially <laughs> in Texas high school been football. There's a lot of really, really good NFL quarterbacks go through Texas and set those records. Yeah, yeah. So. But nonetheless, obviously, I think Will Rogers is a guy until he graduates, it's his job to lose. But this makes this quarterback room pretty interesting because you've got a young Sawyer Robertson who didn't redshirt this year. 
or I, I, has he has yet to announce? He'll probably wind up redshirting because he didn't play in a single yeah. game, I believe. It, w- it wouldn't be optimal. It for would him be. Too. It <laughs> would be ideal for him to redshirt it. Lovertich, I believe, is with the program another year. That or he's transferring one or the other, uh, which wouldn't su- surprise me. Yeah, but he's, a, he's a very talented quarterback. He's a he could very talented. Put up some numbers somewhere else. Very talented. Speaking of putting up some numbers somewhere else, how about the year that Garrett Schrader put together at Syracuse? Oh, Oh my gosh, I mean, dude! I was so proud. I was so happy. I didn't know you could throw the ball like that. Apparently, I was so happy, games, man. There was a game he had four hundred yards and five touchdowns in the air, hey, and I was I, like, I mean, he came in as a four-star recruit. I mean, yeah. I knew the kid was talented, but I thought I'm like you. I thought most of that was in his legs, but no, he's got a cannon. Apparently, he does, and he he found himself a home. He did. He yeah. he has, and I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. Really Garrett's am. a great dude. He's a great quarterback. He, in his short time here at Mississippi State, he provided some very, very exciting football uh, for the Bulldogs. I mean, who could forget the the helicopter play? I mean, that was that was what Sports Center top ten, something like that. Oh yeah, if he would have if he would have gotten that first down on that play. Whew. Speaking of more transfers, Keaton Thompson has finally finished up his career uh, as the Virginia do it all man. And wearing number ninety nine, by the way, which which is just hilarious to me. But uh, Keaton, obviously, uh, Virginia loves him. Oh, yeah. Virginia fans have loved him. I loved him when he was here. I loved. I also loved him when he was here. I was sad to see him go, but obviously, he he has wrapped up his career there. May wind up in the NFL as kind of a do it all man. We'll see. Could find himself in a Taysom Hill type role. It's very possible. It's very I mean, possible. I think that. With Taysom Hill in the NFL, it kind of gives that inspiration for other teams to get those little Swiss Army knife kind of guys. It's very possible until you throw them at starting quarterback position and they lose uh, to Dallas the other night. Throw four interceptions, which is again less than ideal. He's, you know, he's still my fantasy quarterback right now. We're, I am we're so sorry. Him. We're rolling with him. It's okay. You should stop. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make it work. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Maybe one day Keaton will find his way onto some of our fantasy teams. Maybe so. Maybe so. Because he's you got the what? talent to. While, while we're here, and we've got about one or two more minutes, I want to look up a, a a guy that transferred out, and he went to SDSU, I believe, Sa- uh, San Diego State. And he was one of my favorite players while I was here, Jalen Maiden. Let's see where Jalen Maiden was. I forgot about up. him. I know, right? The lefty quarterback. Yeah. Uh, that's not him. That's Jalen Maiden with no Y. Uh, for Western Kentucky, let's see. We are we are deep into Western Kentucky had a decent year. Good for them. Look at them. Look at them. Ah, Jalen Ma- yeah, Jalen Maiden. Let's see. Six foot three, two thirty pounds. Classed as a sophomore. Don't believe he has any stats, which is not great. Weather's nice out there, though. Weather's nice at San Diego State. You know. <laughs> I would say so. The Mountain West Conference, some would say the crown jewel of uh, of conferences. Would you? I mean, I'm sure some would. There's probably one or two diehard Mountain West fans out there. We I'm just sure haven't met are. them. Yeah. They've got a nice little matchup with, with UTSA coming on the horizon. That'll be a fun one. Meet me, the Roadrunners. I mean, college football's c- Cinderella. I love them. Really? I don't know why they didn't make the playoff. They really don't. <laughs> You know, that's an argument for another time. As for now, though, that's about all we've got on this Tuesday episode of The Dudes. Obviously, Cody, we wish you the best. Hope you get to feeling better. 
David and I will be back Thursday to bring you one last regular edition of the dudes for the semester as we are going home. <laughs> Final seasons is about to wrap up. Um, again, thank you for listening. We'll see you guys on the la- uh, later. The proceeding was a WMSV production.